Hello, Maxine Tima'a Kavithid Kamraig, Ryan and Rob. Hi, Maxine here, Ryan and Rob's Welsh translator. The Chin Grando are Podlidiad Newid, Fearless in Devotion. You're listening to Fearless in Devotion, a new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem. Marching like a mighty army, Wrexham is the name. On all to the Fearless in Devotion podcast. Uh, we have a midweek mini pod for you this week as half of the Fearless team on tour. It's just me and Liam this week, I'm afraid, but we have interviewed one of the only blokes that we could find with a Wrexham and Marine connection. So there's something to look forward to. Um, and we've also been sent reports from our own correspondents in Eastern Europe, uh, Tim and Andy. Before that, Liam, though, remind us who sponsors this podcast. It is the finest restaurant establishment, which is growing in North Wales, as I believe the Fat Boar are soon to open a new branch in Riffin. Are they? Yes. Hot off the press. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that hot off the press? When was that announced? Last week, yep. Yeah. Remarkable. Congratulations to our um, generous benefactors. Go and visit them if you haven't already. The portions are massive. Right then, before we get on to the chat with David Raven, we haven't spoken since Chesterfield. Liam, what did you make of that record crowd and not-so-record performance? It was hard going, is the best way that I can describe it. Um, first 45 minutes, they were all over us. The, the atmosphere was good at the start, but it died out really, really quick once they, uh, once they scored and... It's a very different game if Rob Layton doesn't save that penalty. Um, but a 1-0, you're always in it, aren't you? And it's the old cliche, but um, the toes of throw finally paid off, which I was really happy about. And and at the end, we could we could have won it. I think it was Hayden who, who hit the bar. So it's just a really, really odd game. Massive crowd, but quite quiet for large periods of the game. Awful lot of negativity around after that game, wasn't there? I appreciate, you know, I, I didn't have the um, fortune or misfortune of going. I was listening to it. That was pretty hard going. Um, you know, do you think it's a bit over the top? Yeah. Pre- I, previous seasons, I've, I've been quite what I might call a reactionary Wrexham fan, but I'm finding myself a bit more relaxed this season. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because I can see the quality of player that's out there is really good. I mean, Parkinson clearly knows what the issues are, which in a way does beg the question of why wasn't the midfield sorted beforehand. But at the same time, he didn't have a, a huge amount of time really, did he, to pre- to prepare his squad. So I'm I'm quite relaxed about it. See where we are, you know, sort of December time. And if we're not, if we're still mid-table or something, maybe we will worry, but I just don't see the point at this stage. I'm inclined to agree. I would say I'm probably not a reactionary fan. You could say that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, But, you know, you could look at it another way, which is that we've only played two games against teams that you would say are sort of gimmies, which were Eastley and Aldershot, away. And we really dispatched both comfortably, or we would have done if obviously the Aldershot game hadn't been called off. Um, The rest of the games have been against pretty solid opposition. We're only nine games in. Christmas last season, Torquay were 12 points clear. So the season is not won in the first 20 games, let alone the first nine. So um, I think uh, a little bit of perspective sometimes is useful and we'll see where we are Christmas time. Anyway, here's the first report we've had this week. It's from Tim. 
Apologies for the sound issues, but Tim seems to have held his phone about a millimetre from his mouth while recording this, but this was his reaction to the uh, Chesterfield game as well. All right, chaps, I'm uh, speaking you, speaking to you from the airport at Tallinn in Estonia. Uh, it's been a long trip, Prague, then on to Latvia for a stopover, and then on to Estonia. But, you know, Wales have come away with four points from six. Can't argue with that at all. Really good, really good doubleheader. Great trip. Really good performance. And we drew, and a really poor performance, and we won. So... There you go, that's international football, but we'll take it all day long. Uh, yeah, really enjoyable, great turnout, and uh, nice to be back following Wales away. Regarding the Chesterfield game, that feels like forever and a day ago. I mean, even now, you, know, you look back, we were so fortunate to come away with a point. Was it deserved? Barely. Um, they were miles better than us. And I won't be at all surprised to see to see them up there and maintaining their position near the end of the season. So, yeah, you know, it was it was it was a it was a tough game, and we managed to get something when nothing seemed more likely. So, yeah, happy with with that result really. Next up, we've got a message from Mr. Andrew Gilpin, who's been in the Emerald Isle and I believe is now in Estonia. So. Globe trotting Mr. Gilpin, here's his reaction. So, in true Andy Gilpin style, I've showed up in Estonia the day after all the Wales fans have gone home. There's just strewn bucket hats everywhere. I'm just here for, for a nice week after a, a wedding in Ireland. Um, it's cold. As Tim was probably said the same. Right, let's have a think about Chesterfield. Um, it was exactly how I expected. We come up against a better side and really didn't really have enough to break them down. The, it's, now's the time that Parkinson really has to earn his money. Now, I think people are still behind him. I think we're all still behind him and it will work. But at the moment, I don't think he's got the right personnel to play his preferred formation. So, <laughs> for me, I think he has to change it. But I think he'll be a little bit too stubborn to do that. So he has to find a solution. He has to find the control in the midfield we need to, to make this work. Um, I'm just hoping it's teething problems. I think we will get over it. I still think he's the right man for the job. But I think he really needs to start showing it now. Yeah, Andy Gilpin with his uh, thoughts there. He's a man who uh, sleeps wherever he lays his hat, isn't he? Anyway, um, Liam, what did you make of that? I mean, he's suggesting possibly a change in system could be needed, revert to... He doesn't think uh, Parkinson will do it, but do we revert to 4-4-2? Do we stick Angus up top and go 4-3-3? It's a hard one. I know Andy's very keen on uh, on systems and changes. My, my knowledge doesn't really stretch that far, but I, I could... Still see how our system could click into place if it's got the right components. Mm. I sometimes wonder for the for the fact that records played so well. I I do think we need attacking fullbacks. I'm not sure he's quite the man for that. I mean, is it, I for, I've forgotten his name now. Green. Um, Cam Green. Yeah, exactly. He really Cam took Green so much promise last season, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I thought when he played so much towards the tail end of last season, I thought there's our man at at left back because record had had a fairly up and down season so I was expecting to see more of him um, and I think now in uh, Hosanna we've got a right back who can you know bum on so I'm just wondering if if we can push the full backs a bit further up get two attacking full backs on I wonder if that's what might make the current system click
Well, our guest this week started his career at Liverpool after coming through the academy at Tranmere. He's a defender with a Premier League appearance under his belt. He helped knock Celtic out of the Scottish Cup and get Inverness, Caledonian Thistle to the final for the first time in their history. And he played in that Scottish Cup final and scored the winner. Am I right? Semi-final against Celtic, yeah. Ah, scored the winner. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> scored the winner in the semi-final. Uh, he had a short stint at Wrexham, which we'll discuss shortly, but more recently he's found himself at Marine, our opponents on Saturday, of course, where he's been enjoying a few more cup sets at the end of a long and successful career. David Raven, welcome to Fearless in Devotion. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure. And, and we're especially grateful um, to have you today, David, because you played 83 minutes in a league game last night, I think I'm right. Are the, are the legs a bit sore? The legs are always sore. 36, <laughs> so, yeah, no, no change there. I needed, no, I, I needed that. I'd had a few weeks out with a bruised rib. Um, so I'd played last Tuesday. We played against Atherton Coles. I went to extra time. So I did 100 minutes there and then played on a Saturday and had a bit of a hamstring issue. So I came off for sort of first half, which was probably all I needed considering the amount of time I'd been out for and you know it was a case it worked out quite well so like last night as I say I played 18 he took me off just precaution because it's still that build up phase to be ready for Saturday so um, yeah that was it was it was a good game we played well um, we tried to get the game moved to have a, a full week's prep for for Wrexham but I think the what what we first thought it was Kids Grove said no, but then we, we later learned that it was the the league that said no that he couldn't get it changed. So we we we're a bit disappointed. We, we we've got one session compared to Wrexham's five or six to prepare for us. We've got one to prepare for them, um, but that's the nature of non-league, isn't it? And compared to professional level, so. Before we get into um, a bit about your time at Wrexham, Dave, just tell us a bit about your cup run so far and how does it compare to last year's heroics where you managed to get to the third round um, and play against Tottenham? Um, how does it compare? Yeah, so uh, pretty similar really where we, you know, you, you look back at games and you think, well, if it had gone, if they'd have put that chance away, we'd have been out and stuff like that where, you know, the, the, the difference this time is, is that we've got a bit of a, a tag now because of what happened last year whereas last year it was fresh no one really took any notice of us and then next minute we were on the telly against Tottenham so um, I think it helped you know being sort of under the radar that there's no fans as well uh, whereas this time we got fans which is great all the fans can enjoy it and and you know uh, win draw lose Saturday the, everyone's going to enjoy it so that's that's really good so um, yeah the, the, I mean the run last year was amazing probably yeah, it was up there, the highlights of my my career, just with the league being how it was. Our league was cancelled um, and the cup was the only thing that was keeping us going, the games. So um, it, it was just brilliant. Made some some special memories um, with a special group of lads. And obviously that Tottenham game, not great for a defender like yourself, but uh, just must have been incredible yeah. to be able to play against them. Yeah, it was. It was It was nice, you know. Look, it's going to be one of them where you look back in years to come and... and and it'll be, yeah, yeah, I did that. But, you know, at the time I said after the game, I didn't really enjoy the game. I knew I wouldn't because you get the run around and you get put in your place a bit. And I don't like that. It doesn't matter, you know, what level you're playing against. Um, I don't like getting beat 5-0. So um, it could have been, if you really wanted to, probably 7, 8, 9, 10, if you wanted to. But, um, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was just great to see, you know, Mourinho on the sideline at Marine. It's something that you'd never think you'd ever see. Stuff like this. I, I, I try not to get starstruck. I, I didn't swap any shirts. I didn't do anything like that. Because, um, 
you know, these guys are on high enough on a pedestal as it is. And I'm not going to come home with a Tottenham shirt and put it on the wall. And me missus ain't going to have that issue. So <laughs> no, no, but it was a nice experience. Keep them grounded. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, listen, we'll talk more about your time at Wrexham and also more about you guys and what we can expect on Saturday. Um, but first of all, I wanted to speak to you quickly about your time at Liverpool because you obviously played under Rafa Benitez and, you know, while you didn't become a first-team regular, you were highly rated by him and, and you you became the reserve captain, I think I'm right in saying, um, which um, is obviously, you know, <laughs> the Liverpool reserves or any reserves in the Premier League are a quality side. Um how good of a grounding was that for you? Because you then went on to have a really good career, obviously, throughout the leagues. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was um, I got, I got, the grounding probably came more from what I got at the academy, if I'm honest, from um, you know the Stevie Highway and Dave Shannon, Hugh McCauley's at as well. So like they instilled in me, you know, what it means to play for Liverpool. You know, even away from the pitch, it was like you're representing this this great club. This is what you should act like, and um, this is what you should play like on the pitch because um, I was captain in England as well at the time. Um, so, you know, it was a bit of responsibility and it's mem- I was a member of Stevie Highway, you know, I had good chats with me and the little things like that stuck with me throughout my career of the discipline and what you are and who you're representing and stuff like that. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, going up to Melbourne and captain in the reserves, it was great. I mean, I was, I was remember it was Paco saying to me, like, now's your time. Now's your time to push, push, push. And I, and I did push as hard as I could. I just couldn't get to that next level, uh, which you need to be at Liverpool. Um, you know, run a 20, 30 games, yeah, at a family level, I'm sure. Like, that's what players do. But you need to be next level, don't you? You know, you're looking at, like, Trent, he's next level. And um, I wasn't now, nah, and I accepted that. I had a year left on my contract and decided if I'm going to be a footballer, then I need, to, I need to move away from Liverpool because the reserves... I'd had a taste of the first team. And at that point... Uh, a lot of my peers were playing in the championship and league one and like 50, 60 games at my age, which was like, I was 19, 20. So I had to move and I knew I had to move. Um, so yeah, it was the best, the best decision I made. I wanted to ask you, you obviously very complimentary about um, your experience there at Liverpool. We had on last week's, uh, our podcast last week, we had Lee Jones, a striker who was before your time, but he yeah, um, got, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. He got a deal to Liverpool um, in the back in the nineties, and he was telling us about the training environment, and it sounded incredibly harsh. Now, you, I suppose you could look at it two ways in terms of, you know, there's obviously very, very, very high standards there. He was describing us moments where he, he was coming in and coming off the bench and scoring a hat trick in the reserves, and was getting lambasted in the changing room afterwards because he missed one chance at the end that should he should have scored four. Was it was it that kind of high standards, or was it was there a, a little bit maybe some people struggled with that? Possibly, yeah. I, I didn't have that experience at all. I mean, I had the experience of, yeah, high standards and it wasn't always about, you might have scored the hat-trick and been rubbish the whole game and you'd get lambasted for your performance more than you would your hat-trick, um, you know, patting, patting the back. So, yeah, I, I didn't get that experience. I have, I was aware of some lads couldn't cope with the the environment um, and left and I was aware, I am aware now, obviously, with uh, looking back, that yeah, there are people who've experienced it like that. But for me, it was it, I, it was like I was ducked to water. I loved it. I loved everything to do with like being representing Liverpool. I loved like the so-called pressure of that, if you like. I loved all of that. So I I was I was absolutely fine with that. But yeah, there were standards. There was absolutely high standards there. Absolutely, and they, as I say, they they've they've stuck with me like hugely. Even like you know now still um, they're, oh, really? they're still with me. Yeah. Mm. How did your time at um, Wrexham came about? I believe you were Dean Keats signing, weren't you? 
Yeah, and uh, I was moving on from Inverness. Um, I'd put something in, like, you know, for Invernesses and I had kids and all the rest of it. And we needed to get them settled. They made it clear that I was going out the door. We'd been relegated. So those was on like the higher wages were, say, see you later. I had to go. Um, long story, I won't go into that, but I, I moved in the, in the January and took a bit of a punt at just coming down south. I knew Scott Bowden and, and, um, and obviously Dean Keats asked me to come in and, and train. So that's what I did. And yeah, we, we signed a contract. I, got, I was quite lucky really because uh, Wrexham's quite local and um, good club, big club. And that's how it came about in a, in a nutshell. Now, I think I'm right in saying that you made your debut against uh, Tranmere, which certainly isn't a quiet start to um, yeah. life at Wrexham. I mean, it's also a team, you know, relatively well. I believe you're an academy player there as well. I've had two stints at Tranmere. I've had my youth team at Tranmere. I've had two first team stints there. I went on loan there when I was 20 and assigned for them when I was 26. Um, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know them all well, know them really well. And, yeah, it was a great game to go into. I mean, it was Jeno got injured when he left back and I went on left back and not played for, not trained even for three or four weeks. Been training on my own. And uh, I went straight into that and it was a hell of an atmosphere. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, you know what? I looked at the uh, that match report uh, just before this podcast, and I saw that there were more than eight thousand there. So um, we just had a week ago. We had our record midweek um, attendance for the Chesterfield game, which was nine thousand something. So it wasn't far off back in back in twenty eighteen. Brilliant! Wow. Yeah, place must be booming at the moment. <laughs> yeah, just need the, just need the on the pitch stuff to follow, Dave. At the moment, that's the uh, that's the only thing. It's all well and good, but um, I'm sure it will. It's a it's a project. It's a project, as they all like to say. Um, but what about Dean Keats? And obviously, he, uh, as you may know, um, got the boot at the end of um, last season for us. What did you make of him? I know it was only a short time you had with us, but what did you make of him as a manager? I like Dean. Yeah, I like his. Um, I like the discipline that he instilled in the in the group. Um, I liked his attention to detail that he gave his, you know, his delegate delegating his staff for different things. Because I was at that stage in my career where I'm like, I want to look at the coaching next bit of it, and, and I'm asking questions all the time. So um, I liked Dean; he was great, and he was great with me. And um, it's a shame he didn't stay because I'm I was convinced we would have gone up that year. Um, when he left, we. I think me and a couple of others, I was convinced we'd had enough in the changing room and on like what we had there to keep going because we were second or third in the league. I can't remember quite right, but round about that time, I'm thinking we can do this ourselves. We'll do it. Come on, we can manage it. We can manage the changing room. We'll manage everything else on the pitch. And just little little things started to creep in, lateness on the training ground, little, you know, even five minutes. Uh, and that's where, like, you talk about your standards. That's they little things were getting to me like that. And I, I was like, hang on a minute, this isn't right because... Once you start doing that, you know, little things creep in on a, on a Saturday. And um, we just fell short. And I just think we lacked that that leadership at the top. Um, and I look back now and I probably made a mistake when I said to, I can't remember who it was now, um, that, yeah, we've got enough and I think we can do it. And we should have had enough, but we just lacked that um, that man to say, you're late on a training ground, you're not training sort of thing. And, you know, that that figurehead, I think we just lacked that. And was that after Dean left? Sorry. Yeah, that was after yeah. Dean left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. the, the immediate question that jumps to my head was that, you know, does was, was Sean Pearson not standing up? And, and No, we were as players, but there's only so much you can do as players. 
Mm. And this is the thing when we did, and we, we grew, that's why I said like as a, as a group together in a change room, it was a great group of lads. Um, but you, as a player, you're still just a player. You need that coaching staff, that management staff to, to be, you know, Dean might not have done a lot, but what he did is instilled that discipline, wasn't it? So uh, you need that figurehead to be able to do that. Um, yeah, Sean Pearson was vocal, he was great, and so was a few of the other lads. But you still, I thought, we, we just needed that bit more off, uh, off Darlow and, and what's his name, um, Andy, um, in my opinion. So I'm not, I'm not slating them under the bus, by the way. That's just no. my thoughts, thinking back to the phase now. So they're great guys, but they just didn't have what Dean had at all. Yeah, yeah I suppose that possibly the difference between people who, who won't become, go on to become sort yeah. of head coaches, but are assistant coaches in that regard. Yeah. Mm, possibly, okay. Yeah. Was there anyone in that dressing room on a playing perspective that stood out to you, both sort of football and ability, but also sort of as a presence? Um, it was a good all round solid team, wasn't it, for that level? Um, no one really was like, wow, you're going to kick on massively. And, you know, the likes of... Uh, like Wedge and Chrissy Oldwood coming like uh, that sort of 30 bracket you know good solid players and, and as I mentioned Sean Pearson and Jeno. Um and you know like you could go on through the team it was a really good solid team I thought Scott um, Quig- what do you make of Scott Quigley? Uh, Quig James he's I mean he's done brilliant since he, he's been a bit of a roller coaster and he found his feet again at Barrow didn't he and, and really mm. kicked on I think he, he needs to find a place that suits him and an environment that suits him and I think he found that Mm. At Rex, and he moved on. He didn't find it, and then he got it again at Barrow. And um, I, as a guy, great guy, loved the guy. He's brilliant. Um, yeah, can't speak highly enough of him. And he was great to have about. He's a good character. So, um, but yeah, Quiggs, yeah, done really well. He was on loan at the time, wasn't he? So I think maybe if you sign him, and you, you, you invest in him, you invest back. There was a, there was a bit of a meltdown here in the summer, wasn't there, Liam? When he um, when we didn't sign Quigley for about three days, because then we signed Paul Mullen and everything was fine again. <laughs> <laughs> Quick fire round: Who was the most skillful player you played with at Wrexham? Skillful, um, Chris Holroyd. Oh, really? Good feet, yeah. Skillful player. Second question, who is the most underrated? Who didn't get the plaudits that you felt they deserved in that side? Paul Rutherford. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Good for the team, grafted. The numbers he was touching in terms of his GPS data. Uh, what he did for it, he didn't give the ball away, hardly, I thought. Mm. Um, and he got a bit of stick. And yeah. he's probably just because was, he'd been there a while um, and the fans like to give people stick who've been there a while. So, yeah, Paul Rutherford, yeah. People become scapegoats, don't they? And, and speaking of his GPS stats as well, he's also they're still the highest, uh, got, still got the highest listening figures on this podcast or an interview. So well done, Paul. Your stats it, are yeah? great. He has, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was very, very, very honest. He was a really good interview. Anyway, who was the um, worst dressed? The worst dressed? Oh, um... Tell you what, Sean Pearson probably was it. I don't know. <laughs> He's had some rascal stuff. Has he been noted a few times? Has he? I think he yeah, has. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Buka yeah. jeans? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. Just like me, Dan. He did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was the tightest? Um, oh, it's tough for me to say that. Um, 
I don't know, let's put me in because he didn't spend on his clothes, will it? So, <laughs> yeah. Or myself. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty renowned to be a bit of a tight arse. So, yeah, I'll put myself Oh, wow. It's our first ever self nomination. <laughs> yeah. Apart from someone, well, apart from I call people tight. I was only there six months. It was pretty tough. It's tough, it's tough to know, isn't it? That's fair enough. Yeah, we did have someone, I can't remember who it was, Liam, who, who nominated themselves as the most underrated player. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I can't, I'll have a think. But fair play to them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, is there a question I'm forgetting, Liam? Andy usually does the quick fire round, and he's not here this week because he's in Estonia. Um, not off the top of my head, no. No, <laughs> I think that's it. Well, sorry for this lacklustre quick fire round, but thank you for your honesty, David. Saturday's game. What can we expect yeah. from Marine? What kind of a team are you guys? Um, what a team we are. We're organised, hard working young lads who just run and run, um, mixed in with a bit of experience, obviously. Myself and Niall Cummins and uh, like Ryan Wignall, like you know, in the thirty bracket, um, and yeah, they're just a, a good, good bunch again. And I think when you get a good bunch of lads, it's priceless. Um, lads that work for each other, put their bodies on the line for each other, and like let's be honest, we're my, we're massive underdogs here. Um, you know, there's three leagues between us, and you know, as you say, you got nine thousand fans, fans, and we had nine hundred. Uh, in the week so there's <laughs> a massive difference so um, yeah that's what we are we're organised and we'll, we'll just keep going and we'll keep going um, and we'll make it tough and we'll make it horrible and that's what that's what we're good at and obviously you mentioned you guys obviously had a game uh, Tuesday night and you've had a lot of games the last couple of weeks Saturday, Tuesday um, yeah. uh, again that makes you more underdogs you've had less time to prepare so in many ways do you kind yeah. of just embrace that you, the back the wall yeah. mentality yeah, you have to. We have to. We've got no choice, have we? There's no point moaning about it. We've got we've got a session on Thursday where we'll go through what Wrexham will do and how we think they'll play. And the manager's excellent at that. And you know Neil Young, he's like outside the league. He's he's the best manager. I mean, I've said to him that he was doing things in our cup. You mentioned the cup run last year. His attention to detail when we were preparing for games in on the trainer pitch and off it was just second to none and I, I had a conversation with him I said you're blowing managers out of the, the water here league managers who I've worked with can't do what you're doing um, and he's like really I said honestly they cannot do that be able to communicate what he's got in his head as an idea onto the training ground clear concise information show the lads on the board training ground all the rest of it absolutely different class um, and that there is strength so we'll do that on Thursday he, he won't leave anything any stone unturned like unfortunately we would have liked to have two sessions at it uh, we've only got one you know as I say Rex and you guys haven't played for nearly two weeks as well so um, but that doesn't always work in your favour um, so yeah we just do what it is what it is we just get on with it we're working lads as well by the way you know what I mean there's lads up for work at six this morning and the rest of it so <laughs> Yeah, we just the go train, for it. Training, training yeah. in the evening, I suppose. Yeah, we train in yeah Tuesday, Thursday evening, yeah. So and work through the day, and you know what? We'll we just do what it, do what it takes to win, and we'll have a pint at the end of the end of the game, and that's it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do the tabloid thing now and ask what other professions, what other what other professions that that are the the lads the lads have got. Uh, there's a few. I mean, one I highlighted was James Barrigan last year because he was a uh, he's a bin man and that was all over the news and the BBC last year. But we've got like you know physios, we got teachers, uh, we got uh, a plumber. Uh, I'm trying to think whatever else does. Um, 
one lad he's like Chandler Bing we don't know what he does um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's all sorts going on yeah yeah, yeah. roofers and stuff yeah so yeah does Neil Young still work for Mersey Rail is it yeah I think oh, he's I... not Mersey Rail I think he's uh, Aviva I think ah right okay I think it's Aviva yeah so yeah he's still there as I say he's got a good job um, hence probably the reason why he never went into full-time management yeah yeah, I was going to touch upon that because it's not often that you'll hear me compliment an ex-Chester manager, but I've always rated him quite well. So do you think that's perhaps why? Because he's got a you know fairly decent job away from yeah. football as well. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've had conversations with him about it. You can ask him about it. Probably he'll give you more information, but it's such a, you know yourself, it's a fickle game, isn't it? And at, that, at the level as he was going into, you know, if he'd going into League Two, the amount of money that they're paying there and he, he might have had a year, two years in the game and got sacked looking for another job. It's it's pretty fickle, isn't it? Um so he chose a, a safer route and you know he's um as I say we're lucky that he did really because he's operating at a decent level and we're lucky to have him and um yeah lucky for us really that he chose that. I think that's the side maybe you don't see really you know the back um sort of balance between work life and and football and actually enjoying it as well yeah i mean i think it must be really tough for him he's um as i say he's, he's quite high up on aviva he's running a football club which you could be argued that it's pretty much a full-time job um you know especially when we're Saturday tuesday he's preparing for games he's looking at footage you know, there's three of them. There's him, Alan Morgan, Gary Jones, and it's a full-time job. And he's got that on top of his other full-time job. And he's not getting paid a full-time wage. So, you know, he's got he's got to love it. He's got to love it. Uh, and I think he does love it. Um, he has his ups and his downs. But, yeah, I think he loves the buzz. He loves, the, you know, like Saturday, this Saturday, this is going to bring out the best in him and hopefully the best in everybody else. So, yeah. We had um, our ex-manager, Kevin Wilkin, on the podcast, and he, he manages Brackley Town at the moment. And I think he was telling oh. us about before he came to... Um, Wrexham he was with um, Nuneaton and he was trying to persuade his club captain to come with him because he was he, he rated him so highly as a leader and as a player centre-back he was but he wouldn't yeah. come because because he had a career at Jaguar Land Rover so some yeah. people don't want to make that step up because no. in many ways it would be a step down for them you know yeah yeah financially it would be wouldn't it mm. yeah you're going to Wrexham and they're not going to pay what he's on and his full-time wage, and his sorry, and his, his part-time wage. It's, there's a lot. There's a lot of lads like that, and there's also a lot of lads who will be say, "Well, what's the point of me signing a one-year contract? And I've got a good job here. I've got a part-time. I'm getting the same thing if you like him. Yeah, you know. It's, um, but yeah, there's, there's there is plenty like that. There is plenty mm-hmm. knocking around, which is good for the level and keeps the level high. Um, I think people get do get a shock, you know, because um, I mean, Phil Parkinson was at the game Tuesday night last night, and I'm sure he was pleasantly surprised with the level so um, yeah there's something some players knocking about What's your prediction for Saturday? How, even if you don't give us a score prediction how do you see the game going? Will it be an open affair? Will it be quite cagey? Uh, honestly I don't know I, I think we're. I think it's going to be high tempo um, all out cup tie um, two teams giving it everything that's what the way, the way I see it going, and I see us winning, obviously. So it's you know back yourself. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good old proper cup tie. Yeah, uh, let's hope it is a cup tie, but not the result you said. But Wrexham fans listening to this on your way to Marine, you have been warned. Uh, David Raven, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Always.
No problem. Thanks for having us on, guys. Prediction time. Here's the prediction first from Tim. As for the FA Cup, uh, yeah, privilege that I managed to get a ticket whilst walking around Tallinn um, after 18 minutes of refreshing my phone to uh, <laughs> to get one. Never been to Marine. I've been aware of it for years. It's one of those places, isn't it? Kind of a slightly unusual name for a football club. Um, I think we saw Spurs play there in the FA Cup last year, so nice for another another humongous club to to grace their stadium. Should be good. Can't take it for granted. Um, we're we're a, a scalp, I suppose, in one respect or another. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Don't really know much about their team, but I'm going to do some research on the on the at the next airport um, before I come home. Uh, yeah, I'll take a sneaky two 0 win. But I kind of get the feeling they'll probably score. So, two one to us, hopefully. And then in the hat for the next round. So, um, yeah, up up the town. And Andy Gilpin now gives us his predictions for the FA Cup Bonanza. So, looking ahead to Marine, we need a confidence booster, don't we? I do think we'll get one. I do think we've got enough quality in that squad, especially against lesser teams. Um, Marine will be up for it. They had a good cup run last season. It's at their ground. But there'll be a large travelling contingent. I think we'll have enough for them. I expect us to play quite a full team just to get that win that we need after the after the Chesterfield disappointment. So I would say a 2-0 win for Wrexham. Yeah, I'd probably echo what Andy says. I think we'll play a few more of the fringe players. So I think Dibble will probably get a run out maybe. Um, Cleworth back in there. Um, yeah, maybe do we do we give Redmond another go? Is Brisley ready now? Yeah, we need to need to sort of freshen it up a little bit and see what the uh, the metal of the players that are on the fringes of the squad can do. As good a time as any to do it. In previous times, we always would have said we need a cup run. We need a cup run. Get some money in the coffers. Um, now it's just a case of we need a cup run for. Uh, well, just for the romance of the FA Cup, you know, the FA Cup and Wrexham used to go hand in hand back in the day, and that seems to have dropped off a lot in probably the last 10, 15 years. So, you know, Stoke aside, it'd be nice to have a decent, decent cup run, get to the third round, and then see what happens. I'm going to go with a, a Wrexham win. Um, greatest of respect to Marine. Um, they sound like they've got a very professional setup there. Um, but as we've just heard, they've not had much preparation time, although they are very much in the thick of it. And that can benefit you sometimes when you've got game after game coming. You know, they know their system really well. They'll be very familiar with each other. However, we we obviously should have too much quality. So I'm going to say we're going to win. Um, we'll win 3-1. Marine will score, but we'll we'll run away with it at the end. What do you think, Liam? Um, yeah, I think as long as we play the game, you know, give it the respect it deserves and the fact that Parkinson's been to see them uh, obviously suggests that he is giving it that respect. Uh, I was going to go for free one myself actually, but uh, I'll have to be I'll have to be different now. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that we're going to finally start to score. I'm going to go for four one. 
Oh, wow. Remarkable. A gold bonanza up in Marine. Let's hope so. Thank you very much again for downloading. We really appreciate it. Um, you can email us in with any thoughts. Uh, feel us in devotion at gmail.com. Or you can contact the Twitter account, which is run by Tim, of course. But until the next podcast, which will be a week on Monday, goodbye. Cheers, everyone.